Let us pray. Gracious God, this morning as we take a moment to reflect upon your word for us, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen. So I've always loved this prologue to the Gospel of John that we read here this morning. To me, there's just something incredibly beautiful and poetic about it, even as it gets a little tangled and convoluted in its language. It draws a wonderful word picture about Jesus and his place in the world and in creation and in relationship with God. Now, of course, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the prologue. It's the whole point of what John has written here. It is exactly what the author of the gospel intends to do for us, to summarize for us his understanding of Jesus that he will flesh out in the narrative that follows. He starts with those very first words, in the beginning. In the beginning. And as he does so, he intentionally takes us all the way back to creation, to the breath of God that first stirred the watery watery chaos and the words that God spoke that brought creation to life. And as he does so, John not only puts Jesus at the beginning with God, but he simply sets up the divinity of Jesus right from the start, which is good because all throughout the gospel, the writer has Jesus speaking in riddles and in puzzles of sort. Uh, the language gets, again, a bit convoluted and sometimes difficult to understand. And what John does here is he um, makes it very clear from the beginning of the gospel for the reader who Jesus is. Not only does John do this, but he also makes the centrality of Christ clear, stating that none of any of this, that we have in this world, creation, life, light, goodness, none of this could be possible without him. John also takes the time to make sure that we know that John the Baptist is not the Messiah, emphasizing that several times in this brief statement, saying things like, uh, he was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Now, at, as a side note, I think that this is somewhat indicative that there may have still been some followers of John out there at the time of the writing of this gospel, or at least there were those who may have argued that since Jesus was baptized by John, um, that Jesus couldn't have been greater than John. Something that is also echoed throughout all of the gospels, as this idea is refuted in all of the gospel accounts of John, having John say things like, um, I am not fit to untie the thong of Jesus' sandals, and so on and so forth. Anyway, uh, that is one of the things that the author of the Gospel of John is trying to make clear to us, that Jesus is the Messiah, that John or anyone else is not, but that Jesus is. So he's making very clear, Jesus is divine, he was in the beginning with God, he is God, none of this is possible throughout all, through, with, without him, and that he is also the Messiah. Finally, in his prologue, John also primes the reader for the central conflict that will follow in the narration of the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 
that although Jesus is the word of God made flesh, sent to and among the very children of God, the children of God would reject him, and the powers of darkness in the world would seek to extinguish the light of his life. But don't worry, he says, even though the darkness threatened to overcome and destroy the light that had come into the world, even though the forces and agents of darkness sought to stop and to silence him, the darkness did not overcome that light, and it continues to shine in the darkness, giving grace and truth and grace upon grace to all who claim him. Now, in a way, what John is doing here is he's summing up the whole of the gospel message for the reader. In just a few short verses, he's summing up the whole of the gospel message. If they get no further than this, then they have gotten the essentials of the story. They've heard everything that they need to hear to understand what it is that John is trying to tell them. But I think that John is also hopeful that they'll be intrigued enough by how he has presented it to read on, to learn more, to learn more about that grace and truth that Jesus brings, and to understand how he could overcome the darkness that was in the world. I think that this last piece may have been enough to draw in readers, because even living a century or so after the happenings ascribed in the gospel, they would have known and understood all too well in their own lives the darkness that was in the world. They, they would have wanted to know how it was that the light of Jesus could still be shining in the face of the darkness that was in the world and that he faced, and what that could mean to them as they themselves faced all of that. It is no accident that although the idea that the darkness tried, past tense, to overcome the light, that the light shines, present tense, in the darkness. It is no accident of words that John chooses here, because John has chosen his words very carefully to indicate that the light of Christ shines on. In the face of all of the darkness in the world that tried in the past to overcome it, the light of Christ shines on, that Christ continues to fight against the darkness, and that Christ continues to overcome and to shine brightly. Sisters and brothers, that, in a nutshell, is the promise of the Gospel of John. It is the promise of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That all of this is not just something that happened in the past. It's not just something that happened a long time ago, but it is something that is still happening. Still happening at the time of the writing of the gospel, and is still happening even now, some 2,000 odd years later. The light of Christ still shines in the darkness full of grace and truth. And all of those who trust in him are claimed as God's own and have the ability to live into that grace upon grace, truth and light that he brings. Which, quite frankly, sisters and brothers, is good news for us. It is good news for us living in our world today because just as the original readers of the Gospel of John, just as the people living at the time of Christ, we are living in a world that is filled with darkness, hatred, greed, war, violence, the thirst for power and glory, all of these things and so many more attack us from without and urge us to attack and to try to control others as well. 
The fear and the worry that gnaw away at our hearts and our souls urge us to give up hope and give in to resignation that the world is simply just going to always be this way. That there is no other way to live but in darkness and to just accept all of these things. All around us, forces and agents of the creeping, insidious darkness are at work, trying to envelop us and surround us and destroy us from within and without. They all threaten to overwhelm us and oppress us and destroy us and keep us in darkness and in despair. But here, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, we are promised that the light of Christ continues to shine in the midst of all of that. That God's grace and truth continues to shine in the midst of all of that. That the light chases away the darkness and illumines a better way of being, a better way of living, a better way of life, and gives us the ability to shine that light, that light of love and hope and grace and truth for others so that they too may also be freed from the oppression of the darkness. As Paul said, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, sisters and brothers, darkness is in this world. There is a lot of horrible and scary and frightening and terrifying and worrisome things in this world. There is a lot that could threaten to keep us down and hold us down and have us living in despair and darkness. And yet we are promised here in these simple, beautiful, joy-filled words, poetic, promising, loving words that the light of Christ shines. The light of Christ shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not, will not, cannot overcome it. The light of Christ will continue, continue to shine brightly in the darkness of this world until the light overcomes the darkness and the darkness is chased away and shall be no more. That is the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that day, as God's kingdom comes, we and the world are recreated into how and who and what God intends us to be. The darkness shall be no more. And we shall live in the joy and the light and the love of God through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Sisters and brothers, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, today we confess that as we live in the midst of all of this darkness, we often feel as if there is no other way. But we thank you for your light. 
We thank you for your light and your love that shines in the darkness, and we ask that you help us to turn to it, to trust in your light and your love. We ask that you help us to trust in you, help us to see the way out of the darkness, and help us to share that light and that love with others so that hatred, war, oppression, all of these things may be chased away and your light and your love shall remain. Help us to live into your light, to live into your love, and to live into your promise that you shall overcome darkness, that you shall overcome all. Help us to live into the joy and light and love of you through and with and in Christ. We pray all these things in the name of your Son. Amen.